And now here's another timely yet timeless word from the Word of God from one of our services at First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. Okay, today, uh, not knowing the extent of all of this and how long it's going to last, uh, my initial inclination was, well, let's just go back to the book of Luke. We've been preaching through the book of Luke now for, I don't know, a year and a half or so. And um, so, well, I mean, it's, it's a long book. Come on. Uh, anyway, uh, so we're going to do it this morning. If we have to do it next week, we will probably have a sermon having to do with the triumphal entry. After, after all, next Sunday is Palm Sunday. All right, so, uh, but today we're back in Luke, and we're just going to cover a, a couple of verses. I'm actually going to read, I guess, four verses. I'm going to start at Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, in verse 44. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples, and he tells them something for the very first time. This is the first time that Jesus reveals this. So let's just begin reading in verse 44. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, Let these words sink into your ears, for the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand this statement, and it was concealed from them, so that they would not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this statement. An argument started among them as to which of them might be the greatest. But Jesus, knowing what they were thinking in their hearts, took a child and stood him by his side and said to them, Whoever receives this child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives me receives him who sent me. For the one who is least among all of you, this is the one who is great. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, again, we are in, uh, encouraged by your word that uh, we see ourselves in it. We learn more about you. And so even now we ask just for the presence of your Holy Spirit. Uh, Father, uh, on the night of your uh, betrayal, you told the disciples that it's good that you go away because you would send a helper. So, Father, even though we are not together as what we would call a church body, we are scattered all over the place. Father, you are still with us through your Spirit. So even by that Spirit right now, we ask that you would speak truth into our hearts. Help us to see ourselves in what the disciples are doing here, God, so that we may know when we're doing it and we can turn and repent. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's just kind of interesting that there in verse 44, Jesus tells them for the first time, that he is going to be handed into the hands of sinners. Now, later he's going to tell them that he's going to be crucified and what have you, but they don't know exactly what this means. And that verse tells us that, yeah, it was actually concealed from them. Uh, God didn't want them to fully understand it. And they didn't ask Jesus about it, but they knew something was up. Now, if you go just a couple verses ahead to verse 51, we find that Jesus actually begins his, uh, his journey to Jerusalem to be crucified. So, between these two solemn events, Jesus saying, yes, I'm going to be handed into the hands of sinners, and then actually starting on that journey. Between those two solemn events, you have the disciples debating <laughs> as to who is going to be the greatest. Now, I know that sounds childish, but I hope that you see a little bit of yourself in there because we are all prone to this. Yeah, and so you think about what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about pride and humility. Uh, that's that's the basic of what he's talking about. And you know, you think about pride. Well, where did pride originate from? It's not from God. It's not from 
from Jesus is from the devil. It's from um, hell. It's demonic in its nature. Uh, you think about when Satan got kicked out of heaven, it was because of pride. pride. And then he slipped through in, as a serpent to in the Garden of Eden, and he whispered into Eve's ear and convinced them to grab this, this tree of knowledge of good and evil. And why did they grab it? Pride. Pride. And so pride, at its very core, is... Is, is sinful, it's demonic, uh, it's unspiritual, it's not of God, it's of the flesh, it's of the devil, and unfortunately for us, we're all plagued with it. Um, we all have pride in our hearts from the moment we enter this world. Uh, pride is, is there. I forget who said it, but I think it was John Stott said that there is no sin that you cannot commit without first going through the door of pride. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Pride is our way of saying, I know better than God. He's the one that gave us the commands and told us how to live a way that's going to be pleasing to Him, and yet we take it upon ourselves to ignore God and to do what we want. I mean, that by definition is the way Isaiah defines sin. We each uh, have, uh, like sheep, have gone our own way. We have turned our own way. And that's because of pride. And, and this lesson that we're learning today about the disciples, guess what? It's repeated on the night of Jesus' betrayal. They're again arguing among himself. You know what that tells us? It tells us this isn't something that you learn and you put in your file cabinet and uh, it's done. No, this is something that we have to apply day in and day out because it will raise its head regularly. So you think about their culture they were in. Like I know a couple weeks ago you preached about how to be a rabbi was to be elevated in status. And so in their minds, I can see them thinking, and, and Jesus says that he understood their reasoning. So Jesus is their rabbi. They're thinking, okay, well, we're going to be like him too. We're going to be rabbis. Who's going to be the greatest among us? And Jesus, as he ever so does, rebukes them and points them to who is the greatest. Yeah. Notice he's, when he says he talks about, he brings this little child and sets him in the midst. Whoever receives him receives, in my name, receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. And so he turns their minds back to who is the greatest, and it's God. It, it takes their mind off themselves, which is pride, and humbles them to focus on God and God alone. Yeah, I mean, just being in the presence of Jesus, you would, you would want to think, well, how could they ever actually just argue among themselves who's going to be the greatest? But the truth is, they were human. <laughs> you remember what happened the incident before? Jesus had taken Peter, James, and John up onto the mountain with him, and they had seen Jesus transfigured. They had seen him in his full glory. They saw something the other nine didn't. Now on the way down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't you tell anybody about this until after I'm resurrected. And it's like, okay. But you know that they must have just felt a sense of privilege. Oh, yeah. And here you've got the nine who are left behind who are thinking, why does Jesus always take that blabbermouth, Peter? Yeah. And what about those two hotheads? James and John, why them? Why are they on the inner circle? I, I'd be a better disciple than they would. My point being, there was probably some competition between, some rivalry between the disciples that led to this debate, if you will, of who is going to be the greatest. Right. And, and so before we kind of go any further than this, I know for me, I used to struggle with, well, is, is pride being prideful and being proud the same thing? And, and when I think about that, that's not true. I can be proud of my daughter for learning her ABCs, um, and that's, that's a good thing. 
right? I'm, I'm excited, I'm glad, but pride is all about selfish ambition. Yeah. It's all about me, myself, and I, how I can be elevated, how you can serve me. It has no regard for other people and other things other than what pertains to you. And so, you know, there's a difference between I'm, I'm proud of my son or daughter for accomplishing these goals. I'm proud, you know, that I, um, you know, been sober for so long. Pride is, is, a, is a different entity altogether. Yes, it is. I think that's a very good point. Uh, Paul talk, talks about, at various times, churches that he uh, boasts in because of what he's hearing about them. He is proud of them right. as their spiritual father. Uh, but that has no selfish ambition, as you mentioned, uh, tied into it. I, another point that I saw in this passage was the fact that, that pride is fed by competition, um, but humility is fed by cooperation. Uh, in America, guess what? We are based on competition. Yeah. Uh, if, if we want to form a team, if we, if we see teamwork, it's so that we can beat another team. <laughs> There's always competition. Could you imagine the NFL... If they decided, well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to structure the season so that everybody ends up a winner. Click. Yeah. That's the <laughs> end of watching. the end. That, that's just not going to happen. Paul himself told the church at Corinth, he says, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Like I said, we're prone to this whole competition thing when in fact everything that we have, everything that we are, comes from God. So where do we get off exalting ourselves? We really have nothing to boast in. Yeah, and so you think about pride. We know that that's bad. Well, the opposite of pride is humility. And, and that is what the believer in Christ is to clothe themselves with, is humility. Now, there's so many definitions of humility. Rick, do, do your one. I want to do Linus in a minute. Which you said you had one Philippians. You, yeah. No, yeah. No, 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 no. The 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 quote that you had from I think it was from. Um, I got a lot of them. Andrew Murray. Yeah, yeah. So um, talking about the humility is not so much a yeah. yeah. Humility is not so much a grace of virtue, along with others like you know um, the joy of the spirit, the fruit of the spirits, joy, peace, patience, all that. He says it's not so much a virtue as it is with those. It is the root of all, because it alone takes the right attitude before God and allows Him to be God who does all things. And so that's Andrew Murray quoting that. I remember this was uh, three or four weeks ago on Sunday night. We were talking about humility. And I, po I posited the question to those present. I wonder why humility is not one of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, because to me, it is, the, it is one of the most attractive qualities in any body mm -hmm. is humility. And Craig, Craig Astoyich, spoke up at the end, and he says, well, the way I understand it is, when you, when you display, when you live the fruit of the Spirit, the end result is humility. You have no choice. Yeah. When you rightly position yourself before a holy God, humility has to be the posture of your heart. Because when you understand that God is holy and He is set apart, He is high and lifted up, you read Revelation, you read Isaiah 6, and you see the throne room of God, and you see the majesty of who God is, humility is the proper form response. to take. Proper response. Yeah, and so you think about if pride comes from the devil, right, that's originated there, where does humility come from? Yeah, 
comes from God. It comes straight from who God is. And, yes. and Philippians talks about that. That Jesus himself, not uh, he talks about um, taking the form of a human was the ultimate picture act of, act of, of, humility. of humility. Right? He didn't take it upon himself be, oh, I'm God, I'm going to come in the form of God. He came in the form of man. He humbled himself and to the point of that. And even, as uh, Philippians says, to the point of death. Yes. And, and so, uh, Andrew Murray, I've been, I've been reading this book. I don't have it right here, but it's, it's called Humility. It's an old classic. It's a very short read, but it's so profound. And, and one of the things he talks about is how heaven is going to radiate with one central theme of humility. You think about that. When we reach heaven's gates, when we enter into the blessedness uh, that which God has prepared for us, how many of us are going to be there because of our own merits? (laughs) No, it it is solely because of the cross of Christ and by faith. And so we have no room to boast whatsoever. And so what is that posture? That's humility. We can't bring works and, and things to God and say, God, look at me. I've attended church for, for so many years, and by the way, that's ruin for you if, uh, if that's your, if that's your goal because we can't meet in these days. But, but you think about humility, it originates from God Himself. So that means that when we are born again, we're born of the Spirit of God, what should be the key attribute, the key posture of a believer's life? Yeah. Humility. Humility. No doubt. I want to give you a little different perspective. This comes from uh, Charles Schultz and Peanuts. Uh, it was actually uh, published on November 10th, 1959. Okay, so things haven't changed a whole lot. This is Linus and uh, Charlie Brown. They're sitting on the, on the sidewalk. And this is Linus speaking. And this is his, his take on humility. <laughs> when I get big, I'm going to be a humble little country doctor. I live in the city, see? And every morning I'll get up, climb into my sports car, and zoom into the country. Then I'll start healing people. I'll heal everybody for miles around. I'll be a world-famous, humble little country doctor. You know what? There's a bunch of us that want to be (laughs) world-famous, humble servants of Christ. There's no such thing. There's no such thing. Yeah, and so humility is one of those weird things where the moment you realize you have it is the moment you lose it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's just how it goes. When you realize, man, I'm, I'm being humble, it's immediately gone because you're thinking about yourself. And, and it's also one of those things where you can't, it's like you, you, you can't go to the gym and say, I'm going to work out humility. You can go to the gym, you can work out your biceps, you, know, you can get that beach bod, whatever you want to do, and you can work at it and it, you know, it, it grows and you're, you're acknowledging that it's growing, but humility is not something that you can be like, you know what, I'm going to practice humility today. <laughs> it's, just, it's just one of those things. And so for me, what I've seen through Scripture and, and through the life of Christ, humility is a fruit that, that comes with time spent and cultivated with God. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. to me, that's just uh, how you, you, you want more humility. You spend more time in prayer to God, on your knees, acknowledging who you are before Him. Yeah, there's a, there's a passage, uh, it, it, I believe it's in Deuteronomy, and it tells us that at that time, uh, Moses was, was the most humble man on the earth, the most humble person on the earth. And you think back, well, where did Moses spend most of his time? 
in the presence of God. Yeah. There was a reason he was humble. And if anyone had a reason to be prideful, it, it was, was Moses. Moses. I'm talking to God. Well, his, and his face was, I mean, just shining. He had to put a veil over it because of the holiness that, that you're spending time with God. And so, I mean... I, well, I, I, want to share, I want to share at least one more thing here. Pride is fed by our association with the important, whereas humility is fed by our association with the lowly. Mm. Uh, you think about the disciples. At this time, Jesus was really riding a wave of popularity. The crowds just thronged around him. And, uh, you know, at one point they wanted to force him to be king and what have you. And the disciples in the middle of this were like, yeah, this, this is great. Who of us is going to be the greatest? But fast forward just a little bit to the arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane. What happened to the disciples? Now Jesus is lowly and despised, and the, the disciples are nowhere to be found. They're scattered. Same thing in the day of the crucifixion. The only one that we know that were, was there uh, was the Apostle John. So there, there's this thing about, yeah, if you're seeking to be with important people, if you're seeking to be important, that's going to breed pride. Okay? You look at somebody, I mentioned this last week, or maybe it was a couple weeks ago, about Mother Teresa. Uh, she lived a humble life. Why? Because she spent the last many years of her life with the lowly. People who were sick and who were dying, who had zero social status. That's humility. And you think about another word that's used all throughout the Bible to kind of relate to pride is this word selfish ambition. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, you're talking about more group pride. This is a more inner pride of this selfish ambition. And and, you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, whenever the disciples scattered, who were they looking out for? Number one. They're number one. And so um, during the church, in the early church, we, if you know, you know church history and you see it in the Bible, the Jews and the Gentiles became one, right? Now, what was happening, the Jews were filled with pride because salvation came from the, the Jews. Jews. And so in their mind, they're thinking, oh, well, we had the first fruits. And Paul actually says that in Romans 11. They do have the first fruits. But then he mentions that now um, God has made us one. We are one. And so James writes, uh, and there's some debate if he's writing to Jews. Regardless of that, he's writing to Christians. And he says this in James 3.16. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Mm. Where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. And you think about the church now. How many arguments have stemmed from people being humble? <laughs> that doesn't exist. But how many arguments stem from people with selfish ambitions, with pride, with it's my way or the highway, or we should do it this way, or this is what this means. And, and pride, it, as James says, it causes disorder. And right. in the body of Christ, we see that. And not just, you know, our church, it's the church at large where pride and selfish ambition exist. There's going to be disorder. And we're not called to disorder. We're called to be humble. Right? And that leads to unity. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, just kind of looking back at the passage that you just mentioned, um, uh, about Philippians chapter 2 and Jesus being the ultimate example. Uh, anytime you sense pride in your heart, you need to consider His humility and the fact that He became 
human. He took on human flesh to die on a cross so that you might live. Uh, we have no, we have no reason for pride. We have no. Um, there's nothing in us that's deserving of us being proud. Uh, and when we keep in when we keep in mind the price that Jesus paid, his very life on the cross for the sins of the world, uh, it should squash any pride that we have. It should promote humility. That's how he lived his life, and that's how he wants us to live ours as well. And when you think about that, if there is anything good in you, it's it came from G- God. Yes. It didn't come from you. It came from God. And so I think about that. I've been thinking about this last night as I was studying this passage a little more. How do we get out of our prideful state? Like, if we realize that, man, my heart is, is prideful. I've been living in this pride. James 4.20 actually tells us how to do that. He says this. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. It's a very simple but yet profound statement. Humble yourself before the Lord, and He will exalt you. We actually see that multiple places throughout right. Scriptures, not just there, but where uh, Proverbs tells us as uh, tells us as where as well uh, that God uh, debases the proud, but He exalts the humble. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, do you think about the parable of the wedding? Uh, feast, I forget where exactly where it's at, but uh, not placing the seat, not taking the seat of honor, right? The, the place is there, and, and whoever sits at the highest seat will be uh, humbled, but whoever takes the lower position will be exalted. exalted. Um, and so I think about that, and then I think about, well, how can we live a life of humility, right? Well, as believers, Scripture, Philippians, tells us that we have the mind of Christ. And if Christ in in the flesh was completely humble, then then we have that same mindset amongst ourselves. And so I want to read this whole uh, chapter, or not chapter, whole uh, passage right here, Philippians 2, 3 through 5. It says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Yeah, uh, he, He's our example, um, and we, we, simply, we simply have to follow. Uh, this is something that you can be praying about for yourself, because it is ever-present. Uh, I was just looking ahead at this next week's um, Bible study lesson, Bible Studies for Life, and it's on eternal life, particularly in heaven. It's taken from Revelation chapter 21 and 22. And there, uh, as, as you were reading there about Murray, about heaven, that the, the overall attitude that is going to be present is humility. Because we are going to know better than ever uh, the reality of our past sin, which we no longer struggle with because we're in heaven, and just how gracious God has been in giving us everything that He's given us especially His Son, Jesus. There will be no cause for pride. We will live in humility forever. That's our destiny as believers. And and so you think about the Lord's Prayer. uh, Towards the end, Lord, let Your will be done in heaven as it is on earth. So what does that mean for us? That means that we, as believers in Christ, right, the, the fragrance of life, so to speak, should be humility. 
People should see in us uh, a, a humility that makes them say, and there's something different yeah. about that person. You look all throughout history, some of the, the greats of the Christian faith were the most humble. Uh, of course, there's episodes of pride and all that, but they're the ones who threw themselves at the mercy of God and said, your will be done, not mine. Um, and so I think about that in my own life. If I have the Spirit of God, which we know that those who confess Jesus, um, He's given us the Spirit as a seal, as our promise of redemption. We have the Spirit of God, then therefore we have the mind of Christ, and then therefore we have the capacity to be humble. And where does that start? It starts with Christ. It starts with us getting in prayer, reading about who He was in the Scriptures, learning more about Him, because the ultimate goal for the Christian is to is to be like Jesus. Like That's the whole point. We're, we're following Christ, and sanctification is the process where the Holy Spirit, He changes us to conform to the image of Jesus. And so, the more we follow Christ, the more we should be humble. The more we should look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. And so you think about COVID-19, and we have an ample amount of opportunity to be humble. I mean, first of all, COVID-19 has humbled me because that, and James talks about, you know, uh, come now you who say today and tomorrow we will go into this town and this town and, and spend a year there and make profit. Man, that has wrecked me because here I am. I'm going to go and do this and I'm going to go and do that. Oh, really? Really? You can't even control today. What makes you think you can control tomorrow? Right? Uh, but also we have neighbors, Right? We have neighbors who might have needs. We have elderly people in our neighborhoods who might, can't, they might ha- not be able to go out to the grocery store. How can we, as the people of Christ, look into our situation right now and think not of our own interests, but also the interests of others? That's a, that's a question that I'm answering myself in light of everything happening. Um, uh, as, I, as I said earlier, uh, just because of... Uh, I, I know that there are families that are separated because they have elderly parents and, and they don't want to bring. So we, we, we really are constrained in many ways. But the one way that we're not is in prayer. Yeah. Uh, that communication is open 24-7, uh, 365, regardless of COVID-19 or not. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, God is still in control and He still wants to hear from us. So we need to be spending time in prayer. And, and you asked a question that, that, that really... Um, you said, how do, we, um, how do we get humble? How do we foster humility? And, and my mind goes back to Moses. Spend time with God. Yeah. The more time you spend with God, the more humble you will be. Yeah. Absolutely. And it, it's, kinda, it's, it's, it's crazy. This theme is, it seems to be going over and over again. Spending time with God in prayer. Spending time with God in prayer. And I think for all of us, to some degree, we have... A little bit more time on our hands than we than we normally do, um, and I would encourage all of us to do that. To to make an effort, not just you know, oh, I know I need to pray, but actually carve out time in our schedule and say, from this time to this time, I'm going to be in prayer, and I'm going to turn my phone off. I'm going to turn all my devices off. I'm going to get alone. If you have children, then lock yourself in the bathroom. Um, <laughs> do what you got to do, but you spend time with God, and and, and be intentional. You know, because I, I know for me, there are times when I go through, uh, honestly, go through the motions, where the only times I've prayed during the day is at when I eat food, 
right? When I'm, I'm praying morning and, and lunch and, and dinner, you know, we're praying and we're communicating with God. But what about the times where I'm intentionally going to God in prayer, like Daniel, three times a day? Yeah. Um, and so I, I think about my own life, you know, in, in that regards. If I want humility, then I have to spend time with my Creator. Because in His presence, humility is the right response. All right, well, look, it's been our pleasure to share this with you. Uh, we hope that you are taking precautions as you should and uh, that behind all of that, that you're trusting God. That's what he wants out of all of, all of this mess that, that, uh, that seems to be the world is in and what have you. And he's in control. Uh, he hasn't um, lost his ability to, um, to be sovereign. No, he still is. So I encourage you to trust him all the more and seek Him all the more. Uh, while we have, as Travis says, a little bit more time on our hands, let's spend it uh, seeking God. Uh, Travis, would you close us in a word of prayer? Yeah, absolutely. Father, we thank You so much for Your goodness. We thank You for Your grace. God, even in the midst of the coronavirus and, and everything that's going on, God, You are still good. We know from Romans eight twenty eight, God, You work all things out to the good, um, of those who are called according to your purpose and for your glory, God. And so we're, we're praying that. We're anticipating, God, that you would be glorified through this, Lord. And I pray, God, that you would be with us. I know many of us are, are probably experiencing a little more anxiety than usual, uh, maybe even some depression with not being able to, to do our daily normal um, things that we do. God, I just pray that your presence, your peace would be with us. I pray, God, that you would fill our hearts with your joy, uh, God, and, and turn our hearts to you, God. Help us see you. Help us understand more and more who you are and who we are, God. And, and I know that that's going to produce humility in us, God, and that's going to produce um, an outward flow of love and compassion to those around us as well. So, God, we just thank you for that. We thank you that we're able to meet uh, digitally. Uh, we're able to still... Um, get this message out and, and, and somewhat have connection with uh, our church family. And God, I pray that you bless them, that you be with them. And until next time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this podcast from First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. You can find more information and follow us on Facebook or visit our website, crawfordvillefbc.com.